welcome to The Mortar and Pestle, a PCCA podcast, where we discuss all things compounding and all things concerning independent pharmacy. Now, here are your hosts, Mike Delicio, North American Sales Director, and Sebastian Dennison, Clinical Compounding Pharmacist. Welcome Compounding World, and welcome to the latest episode of A Mortar and Pestle, a PCCA podcast. I'd like to thank all of our listeners out there who have tuned in to some of our special podcasts recently, most notably um, the information that we've released relating COVID-19 and the role of the pharmacist uh, during this pandemic. It's, it's definitely been the most unprecedented of, of times, and uh, we were trying to think of how we were able to get information across to all of our members, and not only our members, but any community pharmacy who has interest in the world of compounding and is really worried about their business model at this point. And we couldn't think of a better guest. In the in last fall, we had a chance to sit down with the CEO of NCPA, the National Community Pharmacists Association, Mr. Doug Hoey, and we asked him if he had the ability to to jump on our podcast again. And, and we were so thankful for the partnership, the relationship that we have with NCPA. And Doug has graciously uh, offered to be on our podcast again. So Doug, I know Sebastian's on the call as well. In the spirit of social distancing, we are obviously all recording from the confines of our own home, but welcome back to the podcast. Uh, I couldn't think of a better person to deliver a message to community pharmacists at this point. Thanks so much for joining in. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Sebastian, for having me. I appreciate being here. It's uh, it's definitely been an interesting time um, for us, for you as an organization. Uh, most recently, you were featured on Fox News, and I think that was an incredible takeaway for us to see that you know independent community pharmacies were getting visibility um, it, within national media, and you delivered such a powerful message, educating and help um, educating patient audience as well as to what community pharmacies are really facing at this point. What were some of the takeaways for you and? Uh, how important was it for you to deliver that national message on, on Fox News? Well, some of the messages, first of all, I just, was just really grateful to have the opportunity to speak to, at, on, on Fox News and, and talk about the great work that community pharmacists are doing for patients all the time, but especially during COVID-19. And you know, one of the important points that I, I hope I was able to get across was that pharmacists provide a safety net for their communities. And that's true whether it's a crisis situation, a national emergency like we're experiencing now or in, in normal times. And the second part of that message that I didn't have the chance on that interview to get out is that that safety net is, is in jeopardy because of the, the reimbursement from PBMs. I did get a chance to talk about reimbursement from PBMs being, uh, being a problem area. But um, yeah, I think it's important for you know, the viewers to see that pharmacists are out there working hard. They're on the front line. They're in danger's way, just like doctors and nurses and uh, other healthcare professionals. So it was, um, um, I was pleased with the opportunity. I hope there are other opportunities like that uh, in, in the future. So on that note, Doug, I, I know um, you and I had a chance to discuss before the podcast, and we were talking about the fact that compounding pharmacies and community pharmacies mainly are in this unique position of uh, hopefully trying to find an opportunity and, and obviously looking at the challenges that they face, try to overcome uh, the situation that they're in right now. Moving forward, uh, it's safe to say that 
at one point in time, we'll look back and recognize that, that this is past, that we are going to be entering a new normal for pharmacy. And overall, what has been your message to NCPA as a whole and in terms of how they can be prepared right now, but most notably, how can they be prepared for the future? Well, that's um, a great opportunity to give a shout out to the NCPA team. And they've been working tirelessly over the last um, you know, weeks and weeks since COVID really began to spread. And that's really the least we can do because we know that pharmacists on the front line are putting in tons of extra hours and and just, again, working tirelessly um, for for their patients. The team, what I've said to them is that at some point, this too shall pass. This too shall pass, I should say. And when it passes, we have to be fo- we have to be ready to be focused on the issues that are facing our members that were facing our members before COVID, and will still be there even after. So, you know, pharmacy, you know, the reimbursement that pharmacies are paid—that's you know always the biggest issue. NCPA has been talking about changing the pharmacy payment model for quite some time now. In fact, that was the theme of our annual meeting in 2019 was changing the pharmacy payment model. So we'll continue working on that. Um, we, we have some limitations on how much we can control the payment model um, because you know, we don't sign contracts, we don't negotiate contracts, but we'll certainly be working with, with state officials. But I do see the COVID-19 situation as a potential inflection point for pharmacy and hopefully a positive inflection point because it puts us in uh, on, on the big stage. It helps policymakers, media, and most of all, consumers understand how important pharmacists are and that if this safety net that I mentioned is not there, then the, the benefits that consumers are receiving from pharmacists right now won't be there. Then, then they shouldn't take that for granted um, if there's not some help for community pharmacies. So, Doug, the, the reimbursement discussion, we literally could have a series of podcasts about this, um, and, and I want you to expand on it as, as people are coming into this as opportunities for pharmacy. Well, the reimbursement issue is like, you know, you're right. We could just talk about that forever because that is and always has been the number one issue for, for pharmacists. In, in order to take care of your patients, you have to get paid fairly. It's, it's pretty basic equation. And it's been a concern. It's, it's not new. And what we've done, you know, from an NCPA standpoint, or our, our vision for reimbursement is that we're, we're stuck right now. Um, we're stuck right now in this commodity-based model. The prescription drug is, has been commoditized. It shouldn't have been. It, you know, it's not, you know, a commodity that uh, should, should, you know, you can just get at any store. I mean, it's, the prescription drug is something that's life-saving. It's something that um, federal authorities only entrust healthcare professionals, pharmacists, to be able to dispense. There's a safety um, aspect there. But despite all those things, it's been commoditized. And largely that's been because of the, the, the PBMs. But because it's been commoditized, we need to flip the current payment model on its head. The current payment model is about 
dispensing a prescription. And oh, by the way, maybe you'll do some services too. Now that's different in an independent setting where it's not an, oh, by the way, you're doing services for that patient um, along with dispensing the prescription. But, but in the big boxes, we know it's basically, you know, mostly about dispensing the prescription. And our vision, NCPA's vision is to flip that on its head so that the, the, the centerpiece of the model are the services, but the services empower the ability to dispense the prescription and get paid fairly for it so that the prescription, the services become the centerpiece, which are more difficult to commoditize. And they're also those services. If, if you're really good at providing the services and achieving um, patient outcomes, you should be paid more than someone who's not as good uh, of, of delivering those services. But with delivering the services, the pharmacist is also empowered to dispense prescriptions at a reasonable, at a, at a fair um, reimbursement. So it, it, it turns uh, the current model on its head. Um, CPSN, the Community Pharmacy Enhanced Services Network, is how we, NCPA is expressing this, this vision. And over 2,500 pharmacies, uh, 47, I think, networks, local networks, and um, you know, working with payers to help them understand that this is a different model. This isn't the same, you know, how many pharmacies are in the network to dispense a prescription. This is pharmacies providing a service. And yeah, we can dispense prescriptions too, but we can also take blood pressure. We can immunize. Um, Many of the pharmacies in these networks will compound, and so they can customize drugs for the patient. Um, many do long-term care so that they can provide a network of long-term care services for patients. Um, many uh, pharmacies in these networks uh, have expertise in specialty pharmacy and are willing to document their, um, their services into e-care plans. So this turning it on its head, is, is really the future because if we're in the same reimbursement battles, you know, fighting over um, you know, the, 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 the dispensing of the product, which we're gonna keep in that fight, NCPA is not shying away from that fight, but we've gotta change the battleground um, because we've been in the same battleground for the last 40 years and we've gotta change the battleground to get a different outcome. Well, the nice thing about, being with independence and being a, a vanguard for independence is you've got the most motivated group of pharmacists that want to pick up uh, these opportunities. You kind of alluded to it in the past where it's like chains are, eh, they're a lot slower to pick up and be motivated. So I think our independents are well positioned. Um, what other, what other battles are you facing for our pharmacists right now? And more specifically in this significant uh, time with the isolation, like what, what other uh, things are being brought to your attention? Well, one of the things we're trying to do is, is really get some of the bureaucratic um, obstacles out of the way of our, of our members, of our pharmacists. Um, for example, uh, signature, signature logs. Um, you know, that's, those are, those are a problem right now in a world of social distancing and stay six feet apart and you know, wear a surgical mask. So 
we have been very active going to CMS and actually even reaching out to um, PBMs to say, you need to waive the signature log. And many of them finally did that. A lot of them were, were tardy in doing it, but eventually uh, I believe all, if, if not all, most of them have, have waived the signature log. And now we're saying, you know, it's, that's, that's an okay, you know, that's a decent thing to do of you, but you also need to have consistency, some uniformity among those waivers so that you're not going to come back with a, with a, a, a gotcha because uh, you, know, you, told, you told pharmacies that your signature waiver was COVID-19 and a different PBM said, write COVID and your staff wrote COVID and the PBM that said, you know, we should have written COVID-19, we're going to audit you and take back that prescription. You know, some Scrivener error, um, we're asking for some uniformity on that. We're asking them, PBMs, to back off on the audits because the last thing a pharmacy needs to be dealing with in the middle of this um, national emergency is some, you know, in-person or desktop audit. We've um, had some um, uh, adequate responses from that. We're asking for more because we know there's still pharmacies out there getting notifications of audits. And we've asked pharmacies to give us those examples so that we can um, report them accordingly. Um, you know, one of, one of the big things um, that's happened for pharmacies just very recently is the um, ability to order and administer COVID-19 tests. Uh, the ability to administer the tests is, is, is a huge positive, but the ability to order the test is um, close to unprecedented for pharmacists to have that authority. So that's, that is big news. Um, and it's a huge opportunity for, for pharmacies to be a, a major um, solution to, to the pandemic, um, to the problem in the, the United States. Um, if I may, I just well, an example. Well, go go ahead, Sebastian. I, I was going to say, could you expand on that? Because a lot of people are like, "Oh yeah, just another test." Okay, well, how does that how does that fit into the bigger picture? And I see it as as a cornerstone to resolution long long term, literally. And and I know you're on the same page. So if you could expand on that, because I think people want to hear you more than me. Yeah, well, you're right. Because we're paralyzed right now as a country. As a country, we're paralyzed by what we don't know. We're paralyzed by this, you know, foreign invader, uh, the coronavirus, the COVID-19 that's come in and there's, we just don't know what to expect. Um, obviously there are people getting sick and dying and that's, that's uh, an enormous um, problem and concern, but maybe just as great is that we don't know what to expect. If we had, a point of care test that where millions of patients, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of patients could walk into a community pharmacy and find out what their level of risk is within a few minutes, that would completely unfreeze our country. It would unfreeze our economy, which is again, paralyzed right now, frozen. It would allow us to go back to some semblance of, of normal life if you could, if hundreds of millions of patients walked into a pharmacy and said, you know, what, 
do I test positive or negative? Um, well, you're testing negative, so that's one test. But then the test finds out if the patient, the person has circulating antibodies. Oh, yeah, you know, I was sick about three months ago. Boy, it was a bad flu, I thought. Oh, no, you actually had COVID-19 and you've got circulating antibodies. And we still don't know, but that may, we, we believe, or we hope anyway, provide immunity from COVID-19 for that patient. So maybe that patient can then, that patient is a, um, uh, is a nurse, and that allows, allows him to go back into the, um, the operating room because he's got the antibodies, so he's got some immunity to it, so he can go back in and perform his, his, his work. Um, you know, the power of being able to identify who may be at less risk and who's still at risk is a complete and total game changer. And that can happen in community pharmacies. We have, you know, 55,000 plus locations. We have the ability for, to, for, for millions, hundreds of millions of patients to walk through our doors and win these tests. So these tests aren't available yet. But when these tests are available, to be able to, to serve these patients, track the disease progression. Hey, is there a hot spot in Chicago? I don't know. Let's look at what's, what the pharmacies are reporting back to CDC. Oh, yeah, it's really spiking there. We need to make some changes. Um, oh, what's going on in Miami? Oh, it's pretty low in Miami. Okay, well, we'll continue to monitor that. It, it's an enormous, it, it equips pharmacies to to not only get on the field, but to play a starring role in the game. So in light of, now we have the opportunity to test and order tests. I think, again, this goes back to independent pharmacies. They have to catch up and be prepared for that. Um, but I think that once that becomes widely known or widely, and, and at the same time, widely available and the pharmacies react, I think most pharmacies are going to just be literally overwhelmed with people coming in for testing. And I do not believe that this testing is going to be a one and done. It's going to be an ongoing piece. So uh, again, being at the forefront and being the, the leaders in getting that message out and getting that reimbursement equipped <laughs> could potentially be a huge piece to a pharmacy practice in, in virtually everywhere. Um, where, Oh, please go ahead. Well, I was just going to, yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt, um, Sebastian. Uh, one, one important, I mean, you touched on something as far as payment right now. Um, it's a cash payment. So that's an important factor. But, you know, this is just, just Doug Hoy's speculation. This is not official word or, or anything. But I have a hard time believing that the federal government, after spending $2.2 trillion in the last stimulus, is going to say, eh, we've got an effective test where we can unfreeze the economy but we're not going to pay for it. I have a hard time believing that, but that's just one person's opinion. We would certainly be advocating for there to be, um, you know, appropriate payment for, for the test. Again, this test, we're talking in hypotheticals at this point, because there is not a test, um, this point of care test um, for white that pharmacies can use widespread yet, but there is enormous research and emphasis to create this test. But I, I will caution the listeners to beware of 
tests that are out there right now uh, to be able to, to do due diligence on them to make sure that they are valid uh, tests. There's a lot of charlatans out there um, trying to take advantage of the situation. Um, NCPA just did a, a webinar recently that folks can go to. It was excellent. That provides a lot of um, background and overview and and how to spot fakes because there are fakes out there. Um, but you know the opportunity for pharmacy is enormous. However, we also have to uh, take due diligence to make sure that these tests are quality tests and are are accurate. You know, I Doug, I I appreciate you kind of jumping into this because it's such recent news and it's something that we hope can get the message across to your audience as well, as much as our audience. Just, I guess to wrap things up, maybe one of the final questions that we have and something that was commented within Fox News as well was the community pharmacies that specialize in compounding medication that had the ability to prepare hand sanitizer products, the ability to fulfill prescriptions for medications that are potentially hard to find right now that have drawn national media attention. Uh, how have you seen those that compound adapt uh, to this very quickly evolving marketplace? Yeah, I think the talk track, the talking points for compounding pharmacists has been, um, I mean, this crisis that you know, no, one, no one is happy about, no one wants to see, but there is an opportunity to elevate and kind of recast, um, recast uh, people who've, who've served the population. And compounding pharmacists have stepped up in a big way. I mean, so the hand sanitizer you mentioned, that is, um, you know, that na the national shortage of hand sanitizer, well, who stepped in and helped to fill that public health gap? Compounding pharmacists. And so, you know, there, it's not like, the, the battles with the FDA, when, when, when this passes, that FDA is going to be all, you know, rainbows and puppy dog and, you know, say what, uh, whatever we'd like to hear them say from the compounding pharmacy community. But it has to change the dialogue some because when there was a time of need, compounding pharmacists came to the rescue. And if there is ever any question about the value of pharmacy and the value of compounding pharmacy, which I can't imagine there being that question, but if there is someone out there with that question, that is totally off the table now. Um, other shortages, uh, I mean, hydroxychloroquine has been in the news a lot. Um, so as chloroquine, uh, presidents talked about it um, a lot. And, you know, we'll see um, about the effectiveness of those, of those drugs. Um, uh, but if and when there's a shortage of whether it's those drugs or other treatments that could or are effective, again, you've got compounding pharmacists filling the gap, filling a public health gap. And, and God help us if they weren't here, when, not, not if there's another national emergency, there will be sometime in the future. We you can almost plan on that, we hope not. But when there's another national emergency, it's going to be pharmacists, compounding pharmacists, long-term care pharmacists that are stepping into the gap, leaning into it, and providing that safety net for hundreds of millions of Americans. And, and if that safety net's not there, there will, there will be a lot, a lot of suffering from our country, and, and no one wants that. We all, we all want to see our country thrive and prosper and, 
community pharmacists are a big part of that. Uh, Doug, I, I know this is an incredibly busy time for you. Uh, you're obviously being pulled in different directions. You're, you've been on national media news. Uh, and um, my assumption is that you have an incredible responsibility to the community pharmacies that you serve. It, it means so much to PCCA to highlight the partnership that we both have and the ability for us to sit down and, and for you to come back on the podcast. Really, in, in October, when we recorded the first time, we were so thankful and knowing the position that we're at right now, we're even more thankful that you have the ability to, to sit down with us and, and share the message of NCPA because of how important it is. We really hope that it extends beyond just the PCCA listeners as well. And we hope that this platform is something that you guys can share as well. And uh, on behalf of PCCA, we just want to really thank you for jumping in today. We know time is of, of the essence. And not only that, is a, a very hot commodity at this point for you too. So we thank you for taking dedicated time for jumping onto the podcast and, and being a very special guest during these unprecedented times. Thank you, Mike. Thanks, Sebastian. I, I appreciate it. And um, we appreciate the partnership with PCCA, as I said on the last podcast, the, the renaissance of compounding from 35 or so years ago, I really see as um, PCCS lit that fuse for the renaissance. Well, we appreciate it. And thank you so much for the overall partnership and the, the visibility to community pharmacies across the country. Thanks again for jumping on. All right. My pleasure. Thanks, guys. What's amazing at this time is we've got so many uh, opportunities for podcast guests. I would love to have Doug come back and hopefully we can get him back here one day in the future. Um, Mike, I know that we've got a lot of things also on our plate and I've, I'm looking forward to our next round of guests. Yeah, it's we're in a very unique position, not only the ability to record remotely, but we have the, the chance to sit down and bring in other folks and, and do this via uh, via a Zoom account, which is really helping us out in terms of not only communicating with our own our own team members and some of the members that we have, but uh, this is an audio platform that does give us the ability to record remotely. And we're very fortunate for that. Having someone like Doug be a guest on this podcast and potentially come back. And, and Doug touched on a very important subject by saying that this shall pass. And what that future looks like, it, it would be great to have Doug's insight down the road, and we would love to have him back on the podcast to share how pharmacists were really able to deal with this pandemic, just like any other small business was able to manage it and deal with it to a certain degree, and and what the outcome of all that was. We we spoke about all the great things that compounding pharmacists have done, uh, filling the need with molecule shortages and API products that potentially were not available for certain disease states, and how they were able to fulfill that need has been incredibly unique. And second of all, the overall efforts put into the preparation of hand sanitizers, as uh, as Doug mentioned, is a national shortage and compounding pharmacies were able to step up and also fulfill the need for first responders. And our compounding handoff challenge was representative of all that. But um, very unique time. We definitely will probably expand on further podcasts relating to COVID-19 and the the sign of the times that we're in right now. I'd like to thank Doug Hoey once again for being a guest on this podcast. Thank you, Seb, for this recording. As a reminder to all of our listeners out there, please subscribe so you never miss an episode. And always follow what's new on our COVID-19 resource page on www.pccarx.com, where we have a dedicated resource page to helping you in your pharmacy to learn more about what is what is truly being looked at right now and some of the newest information so that you can prepare. We also have 
briefings that are often posted online to give you much more information to prepare yourself, your staff, and the patients that you serve. Thanks once again for listening. We hope you tune in next time. This is Mike Delisio, and thanks for joining in.